0: Hey guys, welcome to Talking Deer. I'm Tim. I'm Joe. Um, This podcast is mainly going to be for people trying to get into hunting or anyone who wants to learn more about this sport. And the name
1: name of it is Talking Deer.
0: (laughs) Well, well, yeah. Did you say that? (laughs) I'm I'm pretty sure I said that. (laughs) Anyway, we'll we'll introduce ourselves real quick. Just give some backstory. Um, Joe... Well, first of all, we're cousins. <laughs> and Joe, how'd you get into hunting?
1: So my dad introduced it to me at a pretty young age. I think the first time we went hunting together that he took me, I think I was around eight years old. Uh, and and uh, yeah, that was what he,
0: two years ago? <laughs> <laughs> doesn't feel like it.
1: <laughs> no, but anyways, he took me out hunting and kind of fueled that fire for me and. I don't know. I got into it, started watching a lot of videos,
0: and kind of just went from there. What about you? Yeah, it was actually my grandpa who got me into hunting. Um, My parents weren't really into it, but my grandpa was, so he'd take me out for rifle season every year. And so like a lot of people, I actually got into hunting by rifle hunting. And then as I got more and more into it, I started bow hunting. It kind of opened up some more opportunities, longer season. And now I consider myself to be more of a bow hunter than a rifle hunter. But yeah, I love it. Can't get enough of it. We've made a lot of mistakes. A lot of mistakes. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's kind of what we're wanting to do with this podcast, actually. We've got, um, we've made a lot of mistakes in the past. And through those mistakes, we've learned a lot. And we've learned a lot from you know our some of our hunting idols like the Drurys and others that we just listen to stuff. That, oh yeah, there's a lot of good guys there's out there. A lot of good guys out there doing better stuff than we are. But we just wanted to share and kind of dumb it down a little for people who might just be getting into the sport, and that might be around the same age as us that don't have land,
1: and, uh, and you know, I don't know. Maybe we can.
0: Um, Right, Just, I'm, you I'm know, hoping to touch on that today. Yeah, touch on that. Today we're actually talking about shed hunting. Mm-hmm. So we'll we'll start at the very, very basic. Joe, what is shed hunting? So deer from,
1: um, I would say, <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> middle of January to middle of March, they actually lose their antlers, and that's what we're calling a shed to, you know, and that happens with uh, as their tes- testosterone drops, and uh, it's just a thing that occurs yearly. And it's really, it's really
0: pretty interesting, actually, how that all works. Right on. So, differing from other animals that have horns, which are a lot of times made of was it keratin or something? I, it's, yeah, it's something like a like it's that. like a protein, kind of similar to like our fingernails almost. I think mm-hmm. um, deer have antlers, which are made of bone. Um, The unique thing about it is, like Joe said, they fall off every spring, and then they grow – typically they grow bigger the next year. Yeah,
1: similar to – same thing with elk and moose.
0: Yep, they're in the deer family too. So, yeah, so that gives a really unique opportunity in that you can go on a little treasure hunt and find them. (laughs) Pretty fun. So that brings us to kind of why do we shed hunt?
1: So the main thing is – You know it's winter, and it gives you something to do to get outside. You're looking for literally um, antlers on the ground from an alive animal. You know Mm -hmm. it's it's pretty neat, and um, a big reason that we do it is you know there's deer that we've been monitoring over the summer and fall, and it lets you see who's still alive for possibly hunting that next um, fall.
0: Right, right, and another thing we actually touched on before we uh before we hit record was just gaining access to properties. That's another really good reason to shed hunt, so uh, what I would kind of say is a lot of guys, especially guys our age who don't have infinite amount of wealth, <laughs> we're stuck by either or you know access to private land, we're stuck either hunting public which is a huge blessing but it comes with its challenges we can either hunt public land or we can knock on doors and try to get permission that way so joe i know i'll, I'll actually let you take over for a couple minutes and talk about what we do this time of year just knocking on doors
1: yeah so right now what i'm doing um this is not a plug by any means but i you know we're both on onx mm-hmm. quite a bit and that does it's a really great land app for Um, knowing boundaries of property and landowners names and addresses um, for where they live. So right now I'm just going through and I am making a bunch of marks on my map, pinpoints to, uh, to get a game plan for asking permission. And then later on, you know, later in January and coming into February, I'm going to start driving around anytime I can and knocking on doors and um tim you want to kind of talk about
0: (laughs) so yeah the first thing i'd say is it's awkward when you walk up to a door of somebody you've never met driving in someone else's driveway it's just really weird joe and i actually knocked on a couple doors a couple weeks ago and it was it's it's kind of nerve-wracking and it's even worse when they've got a long driveway because you're you're asking for something that's by no means something that they have to oh, do for you. And with a long
1: driveway, if there are posted signs of private property, do not enter. <laughs> Don't go up their driveway, even if there's not a gate. Like, is this if a voice of experience? <laughs> I'm talking from experience. If there is posted signs... Do not go up their driveway. Um you know, if they have a
0: phone number or something there, call them. Yeah. So. Yeah. But anyway, so it's a little it can be a little daunting and a little awkward and unfortunately you can expect to get a lot of no's. But that's what brings us to where we're at with shed hunting. So shed hunting provides a unique opportunity because oftentimes if you're if you're in September knocking on people's doors saying, Hey, can I hunt your property? They automatically, red flags go up, and they think to themselves, I don't want to get shot. I don't want my dog to get shot. No. And you're probably not the only one. Yeah. There's probably other people doing the same thing. Right. So what's, what's unique about this time of year, springtime, shed hunting, when you knock on somebody's door and just say, hey, can I just walk behind your house in your back fields and pick up deer antlers or look for deer antlers, maybe save you a tractor tire. A lot of times landowners are much more willing to allow people to just walk their backwoods without a weapon in their hands. And then if you can prove yourself that, hey, I'm not destroying your property, I'm acting responsibly and respectfully, then that a lot of times will open up doors to be able to actually hunt that property in the future.
1: Yeah, and it might not gain you access to hunt it this coming fall, Um, but you've started that process you come back next year, see if you can shed hunt again, and, uh, you know, just go from there. That relationship's worth a lot, and you want to put into it, and uh, that's a great way to start a relationship.
0: Yeah, and even if you never get permission to hunt, I think it's worth it just to get permission to shed hunt. Because for me personally, I have a lot of fun walking and looking for sheds. A reason that we didn't even bring up that's a good reason to start shed hunting is it's, it's just great exercise, and it's great – time spending outside, in what otherwise would be a very slow time of the year, at least for hunters, you know? Yeah.
1: When How many miles
0: are you putting on when you're shed hunting? Like, during the season, what do you... I put in 79 miles last spring, and yeah. you know, I was expecting to do more like 180, but I got kind of busy renovating my, my house. I live in a tiny house, actually, so I was converting my grain bin into a house, but I was busy with that because I was about to get married. Otherwise, I would have put even more, but... That's a lot of miles. <laughs> yeah, what did you do four? <laughs> I, I, yeah, walked, yeah, five or ten. No, you, you put in a few, but I think you were yeah. busy with school and stuff as yeah. well. So, okay, so let's actually dive into the nitty gritty of where and how to find sheds. So you really want to be travel
1: corridors are really good. Where where is the main population of the deer hanging out, and where are they traveling to and from? usually it's this time of the year it's going to be from bedding to food so mm-hmm. that bedding area is a really great area to look for um warm season grasses timber cedar trees uh, we've kind of looked, we've looked around there. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you, what do you think, Tim?
0: Yeah. So like Joe saying this time of year, deer for the most part aren't on a, a bed to feed pattern. This means that they're spending the majority of their time in and around their bedroom, which is going to be any place they feel safe and secure. Usually it's thick cover, a lot of grasses, um, thickets, cedar thickets, timber, stuff like that. And then the feed In ag, it's really easy to identify because it's cut bean fields, it's cut corn fields. But uh, you get into more suburban stuff or even, you know, big woods country, it might be an acorn flat. But you need to identify – Somebody's backyard. Yeah. (laughs) Somebody's got a corn pile out there. (laughs) But anyway – uh you just need to identify where those deer are going to feed and where they're bedding and then you really check those three places it's where they're bedding where they're feeding and then the trails that they're using to get between those two
1: another great place that i love looking is fence lines you know where those deer are crossing fences when those bucks jump and they hit the ground they're going to jog their head and i've found a few sheds along fence lines i know tim you probably walk fence lines and it's it's a great way to you know find where deer are crossing and
0: uh you might get lucky finding some sheds there pretty easily yep absolutely i remember in school actually my my campus had some some elbow room there There there's about a thousand acres on my campus and i was Allowed to walk that, and I found one right along a fence line where there's like a one of the the top wire was broken, so they always cross there. And I knew that, and I went over there and checked, and sure enough, there's a big five-point right side. Pretty awesome. The easiest place is going to be looking at the food source. If you have a main destination
1: food source of some sort, that's that's going to be a really good place to
0: check for sure. Right. So what Joe mentioned earlier, he mentioned deer tend to shed from mid-January to mid-March. So a lot of guys tend to take this tactic where they don't want to dive into the deep bedding right away in January. Instead, if you're really itching to get out there, just check the edges of the food source where you're a little bit more low impact. You're not running deer away in the middle of the day. And then as more and more deer actually drop their antlers and you're confident that, you know, 95% of bucks have dropped. Then you can actually get into the thick stuff and look for antlers there.
1: Similar to early season hunting, if you think about it, we hunt right. a lot of outside edges and we're not really piling into the timber right off the bat. Similar to shed hunting, you don't want to pile into the timber until you're pretty sure 90% or more of the books
0: you're looking for have shedded. Exactly. That's a great point. So ultimately, find a spot, um, whether it's public, and you you need to check whether the public actually allows you to shed hunt. Most places do, but I know there's certain situations, you know, national parks are a no-go. You can't shed hunt national parks, but most uh, state parks and stuff like that allow you to shed hunt. So find you a place, get out there, put some miles on. Don't get discouraged if you walk a little bit and aren't finding sheds. Um, I know I, I probably average about a shed per three miles. So
1: yeah, the more the more miles you put on your boot. I mean, get some good hiking boots, good hiking shoes, and enjoy. Just enjoy creation and get out there. It, it can be a lot of fun. It can be it can be challenging. It can be kind of tough, but I think it's I think it's a lot of fun. Tim, what kind of weather do you like to shed hunt in? I, we haven't really touched on that.
0: Uh yeah, so whether <laughs> a lot of guys when they first get into shed hunting, they think, "Oh, I want it to be bright and sunny so I can see really well and I can see the antlers." But I've actually found the opposite, and I've heard a lot of guys say the same thing where the best time where you're going to be able to see sheds is cloudy or even rainy conditions because it seems like those antlers really just pop in those in those shady like cloudy conditions. And the other thing you're not dealing with is the shadows from like Tree limbs and grass blades it's like it's almost like everything looks like an antler on sunny days, but on cloudy days the antlers really just stand out you're gonna be able to see them
1: yeah, and I would a pointer I would say is look for something that is not look look for something out of the ordinary it's kind of like when you're glassing you want to be looking for something that just doesn't fit and obviously that's kind of white or that creamy color mm-hmm. look for something that just doesn't really sit with the terrain and you know, you'd be like, man, that just does not look right, and go look for it. It just might be a shed. Joe, have you ever measured any of your sheds? You know, I, I haven't found anything worth measuring. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, I was going <laughs> to ask you what your biggest shed was. I I don't know. Probably
1: 70-some. Inches? That's huge. <laughs> like 70 inches? That's a big Six. shed. I don't know. That might be too big. Okay. What about you? Say, What's your biggest shed? I think 50s? my biggest
0: shed is about 65 inches, 64 okay, and you, half.
1: So I'm probably around 66 to 66 and a half.
0: That's reasonable. Okay. So just a little bigger <laughs> a little than A little bigger than you. <laughs> All right. Well, should we shut this one down? Yeah. I think it's been good. All right, guys. Well, till next time. Have a good one.